Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show. Our special guest today is Mishimi. My name is Chetto. We have a hip-hop pioneer. Fun fact, Mishimi was the first Canadian MC to sign with a major American label. She called into our radio show, talked to our own Michael, aka Kiv. She talked about what it was like to be a woman in hip-hop, being outcasted because she was mixing dancehall and reggae with hip-hop, and that was way ahead of its time, and so much more. So, yo, the reason why Mishimi called in it was to promote a conversation that happened at the McMichael Canadian Art Collection, which is north of Toronto. It's a series that takes an in-depth look at the development of the hip-hop scene in Toronto and also has a live performance attached to it. There's a couple more happening. The next one is August 19th with Fresh Kills and then September 9th with the godfather, Maestro Fresh West. This is part of the photo exhibit as well too that's happening at Mike Michael that goes until October. It explores the evolution and longevity of hip-hop, specifically Canadian hip-hop. The gallery is open seven days a week and there's even a bus that takes you from downtown straight to gallery and back. Check out all the info at the McMichael Canadian Art Collection website, mcmichael.com. I'll also put the website in the description below. Without further ado, miss me on the Come Up Show podcast. Let's go. Promise. <laughs> we have Mishi Me on the line <laughs> after some, some technical difficulties. How are you doing today, Miss Mishi Me? I am good. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. Shoot, the come up. The come up. Oh, no, we appreciate you. We're, we're, we're doing good. Um, we understand that you're you're in rehearsal time right now, kind of running around, but it means a lot that you've definitely uh, phoned in. You have a big show coming up tomorrow uh, in Toronto, the, yes. uh, the Acoustic Conversations. Can you uh, let the listeners know some, some details about the event? Oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great conversation just about hip-hop in general, uh, lots about my journey, and just how much fun I've been having doing um, hip-hop in Canada and around the world. 
definitely. This is going to be a really dope event. I encourage all artists to come out. It's going to be a wealth of knowledge. You've had a very fruitful career, one that a lot of artists yes. aim for. I mean, you've been doing it essentially since you were a child. What are some of yeah. the, what was like the first time that you knew that hip hop was essentially going to be your life? Wow. Um, when you're so close to it, you never know. <laughs> but um, it was just a, at, at school. And I think in high school mm-hmm. was when I figured, uh, you know what, there's going to be an audience that responds to what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's when um, I realized that I was always into poetry. As every, um, I think every, a lot of the hip hop artists, if you're not a DJ or break dancer, you certainly were into poetry. We're saying in a choir. And um, yeah, I just like writing. And I had a lots of good responses from my teachers that kind of knew that she, I was a readaholic mm-hmm. and that I would do something with words. So when I found out how tasty I was, <laughs> I figured, let me put it, <laughs> put it to some music. Definitely. And then I, but definitely high school and definitely junior high, CR Martian, when everyone boosted me and said to go ahead and rap and, and traveling to New York all the time and seeing what was happening there and coming back here, I just figured, you know, it was definitely new and I could plant my foot in it. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of help in terms of cousins that were very much into reggae, and here I was doing this rap. Yeah. And I, we were comparing notes, and that became Wishing Me. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was reading that when you were like, only, like, a teenager, you were uh, sneaking out to New York nightclubs getting fake IDs, and you'd be at spots where, like, <laughs> KRS-One, Scott LaRock, Bobby Brown, guys like this, Latin <laughs> Quarters, yeah. What were those first couple trips like to a hip-hop club? Coming from Canada, I'm sure like you've never kind of seen anything like that, right? Yeah, nothing like that. Uh, it was it is very risky. Yeah, in hindsight, <laughs> it was very risky because we're in that sort of, and we're in in, New York, in Manhattan period with jewelry, so we could see people that were looking at us, you know, wondering if they should rob us and take our chain, rope chains, but then they would see the African um, spade, yeah, <laughs> laminate around my neck, and they would kind of back off. So it was kind of cool. It was very you know Zulu Nation affiliated. And just, just a good place to be because everyone wasn't so looking for where you were from. They were really just celebrating the new genre. Mm-hmm. Disco had just, you know, left the building. Mm-hmm. And here we were putting all the grown-ups. There was, you know, half Jimmy Curl, half Ballet, half Dreadlocks in the vicinity celebrating a new genre of music. And here were R&B singers. Here were future, you know, hip-hop icons mm-hmm. all in one room just trying to find a place to get on a stage and kind of hear the music and the breakbeats. Do you remember the first artist that you you saw that um like 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 a, like again like KRS was at these spots uh, Scott LaRock who was the first person you saw hit the stage that really like blew you away? Well, there was artists that were just kind of in there. There was a lot of you know Aspen Bada. There was a lot of DJs. It was the DJs that were playing mm-hmm. that really got everyone there. For Bismarcky, TJ Swan, there was a lot of DJs. It was very DJ affiliated. So if you had a DJ that were in the club, you kind of follow the sound. So, I, you know, yes, I did get excited about Scott LaRock and get excited about seeing Karis one, but it wasn't the main focus. Okay. Because everyone was the same. I didn't know that they were who they are going to be. So it was just like, hey, we rap and we're from Canada. Yeah. You guys are a little bit older than us, but hey, we rap. And they're like, you cannot rap. There is no rap in Canada. I'm like, yes, there is. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's one thing. So that's always been something to prove. Yeah, man, it was always something to prove. It's it's crazy when you look at, like, we have a ton of successful Canadian rappers now, but, like, back then, it would, would have only been a, a handful of you. And, and you're saying that a lot of people didn't necessarily take Canadian hip-hop as serious at the start? Oh, definitely. And there wasn't um, so-called legends that were 
from Canada over there. So mm-hmm. It was really a grassroots scene. So because I was so street affiliated in terms of hanging out late, you know, with the bad guys and the good guys, <laughs> it wasn't so much like I was representing. There was this big wave of Canadian rappers that were known. You were like the lone I was wolf. really on my own. Yeah. There was like, then after coming back here and getting affiliated and finding out, hey, they're going to be doing record deals in Canada. They're going to be doing, you know, showcases because everybody was performing down at the Bamboo. You know, they were doing R&B and, you know, mm-hmm. so we were, we, it was just at Blue Notes. There were so many places that were just planting seeds of hip hop here. And then I came back and I got to know a lot of the Canadian MCs. And, um, yeah, definitely. I'm sure like you gained a lot of knowledge on your New York trips. And if I'm not mistaken, you were like the first Canadian assigned to an American label. So that must have been a huge, huge win for you, obviously. Yeah, because at that time I was 14. So yeah. you, really, you really don't know. Yeah. But at 14, I thought I was 16. At 11 years old, I'm taking kids to school and getting money. <laughs> so I, I, <laughs> I love the responsibility. And I would like make really teams to run around our building at Martin Way. So it was, it was, you know, I was always trying to lead something, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was always music affiliated because even when we're doing track and field, there was music on the court. Yeah, definitely. So you, so you weren't overwhelmed necessarily with uh, all this success at, at 14. You were, you were kind of... I was a kid. Yeah. I had no idea so what I was doing. It was I trusted all... everyone else. Def- yeah. Definitely. Now, back then when we're looking at hip hop, it was definitely a boys club. What were some of like the challenges you faced, not only being a Canadian MC? but being one of like the few female MCs doing their thing on the mic? Because I was such a tomboy, I didn't really realize it was a boys' club because there were so many girls a part of hip-hop. They mm. were breakdancing, they were DJing, mm. they were there. So we really didn't separate the boy-girl, female-male thing yet. I, of course, because it was new, it was hard to see a woman in power, a woman represent, mm-hmm. you know, and be the first in anything. So we were always the athlete and the first of, here is the girls of this segment um, to lighten it up. So there was no, there was no real borders. Mm-hmm. You didn't know that the male were in theory. You just knew that, okay, these two girls who rhyme, mm-hmm. these girls are rhyming, they are repping, and they just happened to be the group that was picked. It wasn't so much um, male and female because there was just as much female women doing it at the time to me mm-hmm. as the men. But of course there's going to be more men, but there wasn't, we weren't passed out. Every, all the female artists had different voices. So, they had different styles. Yeah. They had similar styles. Um, but we were so different that there was room for everybody. So, I think now it's it's different where it's so, you know, it's more business music. So mm-hmm. there's one and two and one and three in their spots and things that you have to, you know, you get through marketing, you get through all that other stuff. But back then there was no rules. It was really the wild, wild west. It was just whoever had the best rhymes was able to, yep. to hit the stage. It was down with the most popular crew who was in the streets who had what? Mm-hmm. Um, who could rap. You could tell who people were by the way they dressed. So you was can a... tell in all my old school pictures and my trips <laughs> to New York, I always styled myself, I styled my hair, I changed yeah. the things. Um, I contributed to just me as an artist. So there was no one that could dress me or style me. And now there's, you know, style it. This is layers of the business, which really helps because, you know, it helps the artists clear their mind. But mm-hmm. back then, we didn't even know. We were just identifying who we were. And I was living this dancehall lifestyle, mm-hmm. but writing rap. So and I would I... come back from... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I would just come back from New York and dive into the dance hall, but then they would call me for something in the hip-hop field. I'm like, all right. Yeah. And I would go there and bust a rap. So it was and really that simple. I think all the time I performed on Much Music, they were, I was coming literally back from New York the day before. 
that's crazy. The like the jet lag must have been real. Um, yeah. But yeah. we're speaking of style. Uh, one thing that you see a lot in a lot of Toronto music now is the the dance hall and reggae influences. And you were like one of the first Canadian MCs to like really embrace that. So how does it feel knowing that like yeah. a, like these traits that you started off are still prevalent in hip hop music? It's refreshing mm-hmm. because it was such a it, it was such an out, I was such an outcast, especially as a woman doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had your heavy D's who was more singing at the time, but he he was Jamaican and mm-hmm. he had the influence too. You had Shinehead who was more doing it, so I used to DJ and do dub plates for a high tech sound from Falsa. So I did a high tech Ahmad Dem because Shinehead had the song called you know Shinehead Ahmad Dem. Yeah, yeah. So he was the the main one that I, and he hung out with my. A friend of the family, Kuba, rest in peace, from Westmoreland. So there was that affiliation of my family that was already affiliated with the Shinehead. So that was one of the biggest influences in terms of coming out. But as a female, I was outcasted, and I didn't think anything was wrong. I was just told, you know, you're wearing curtains. Look at those sleeves. Look at those things. You speak with an accent mm-hmm. and so forth. So, it was, you know, it was a little heartfelt um, <laughs> at the time. Um, but, yeah, you didn't know. I just wanted to be me, and I didn't care. Because the confidence that came with that dance hall was you don't give a about what anybody says yeah, in the first place. Definitely. So I just wrapped in my dance hall clothes. <laughs> definitely. It's, it's just crazy how like the styles always just come back around, but I feel like that is definitely yeah. the wave that a lot of people are riding right now, and you're one of the originators. Oh, big time. Um, are <laughs> you, refreshing it. <laughs> yeah. Are you keeping mm. your eye on any Canadian uh, MCs right now? Do you have any favorites? I listen to everybody. Mm-hmm. I like Daniel Caesar. Mm-hmm. I like Weekend. I'm a big fan of Weekend for him and Division. I like, look what you made me do, made. I like a lot of R&B. Yeah. And of course, it's already, I'm going to shout out my sisters anytime I get, because it was a time when there was no, there was, you know, acting like there was no female MCs in Canada. There's so much of us. And and they're the main ones now putting in that work in terms of having structure in what they're doing. So I'm always going to shout them out. Definitely. And we have guys like... And any other female rapper doing their thing. There's a lot. There's, there are a lot right now. Like, Jesse Reyes yes. is doing her thing. The sorority's making waves. Alexia Cara, she's not really a, a rapper, but she's she's a Canadian girl that's definitely doing her thing right now. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. I just want to go down the list because I'm just getting into all of them, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot. If I may have, But because I don't know their politics, I'd rather not. Yeah, <laughs> but there's, sure. Yeah, but there's a lot. There's so many. And I'm insulted when they act like there's not. Yeah. Or like Nishi and Sorority are the only ones. There's so many. I mean, it's a business music now. Before it was just you had to be talented, be known, and, you know, represented in your own realm, and then you get put on. Mm-hmm. But there's so much barriers now, and it is a, a constructive business, and that's just what it is. You just got to work harder. What do you think one of the biggest kind of challenges an artist might face right now? With like, since there are so many artists, like what, what do you, when you look at somebody doing music, what separates them from the pack? Finances. Yeah. To compete. <laughs> Yeah, finances. It's yeah. always gonna be a factor. Yeah, I mean, you're, it's marketing is a. You can only do so much on social media. Mm-hmm. You can only do so much through a link. I mean, every blogger won't blog you. Every interviewer won't interview you, and that's okay too. But yeah. it's just the finances of being able to market yourself, hiring, um, you know, a publicist to help out, having people that can help you, bartering away, mm-hmm. and doing what you do. I think we all know how to do it. Like I think too many people <laughs> know how to do it now. That, but yeah. the, the ones that really make it, yeah, I mean, the, the the majors, the people that really have the money, will market the crap out of yeah. any independent that just wants to do it for the love, right? So mm-hmm. our finances will always separate people from the pack but if you're not doing it for that there's still there's still a place for you in this business it's a whole different ball game now and i've seen the hip-hop um game turn it turn into and take on some of the 
the fact is that reggae singles had to do mm-hmm. from jump. It's now almost a way, a way of lifestyle, one single at a time, and so forth, and hanging out, you know, material. It's yeah. the same way they've been doing it in dancehall and reggae for a long time, and now it's a template for the scene and releasing music. Yeah, it is. It is crazy how you say it's one single at a time now, because I feel like like before we were just getting full albums, like full bodies of work, but now people can just kind of ride singles for, for yeah, for a one album for two years. Yeah, and it used to be so structured like that, and you know, here there was a plethora of reggae artists. They would just cover songs one single at a time mm-hmm. and come up. So that just seeing that transition and that those similarities into how we do things now, mm-hmm. it it makes it even almost easier for an old school artist to come out. If you know the rules, and if you have a little reggae background, you definitely know what to do. Yeah. And then that comes into the marketing yeah. and getting into the other world, which you know can be a hindrance too. So it's a catch twenty two, but it is business music. But there is room for so much talent, mm-hmm. and and from different generations too. We're the new jazz, so hip hop is definitely maturing, and it's about time. Yeah, it is. It's. I feel like like a lot of people are saying that hip hop is in a bit of a slump right now, but I I would disagree. I feel like like this is one of the times that we have a the most. It's just ex- maturing. Yeah, like there's access to so much music, yeah. and there's just as much dope stuff as there is you know whatever stuff that may fly under the radar. So are these kind of yeah. these are some of the conversations that you're going to be talking about at a definitely in conversations. Yes. Uh, which which tracks are you going to be performing? Oh, a majority of the old tracks for sure, and mm-hmm. definitely some new tracks. We have an hour. We're going to do the best that we can, and just look out for this album dropping. Um, I don't know what they call it, the record, the mixtape, the album music. <laughs> the body of music that's coming <laughs> in. Whatever it is. Can you let us know, yeah, can you let us know some details yeah. about the new project? It's fun. It's heartfelt. I think the interludes are just important as a song. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really cool. It's a cool, it's, it's, just, it's just something to hear. Because I'm not, I'm not going for the charts. I hope some things chart. Mm-hmm. I am going for the visuals because I do want to tell my story. I'm at that age now. Definitely. So, you know, it used to be all about the boys, boys, boys. Then the boys turn into men and the men hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and, then you, and then you go on with life and then you write about how you made it through all that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's just a fun place to be in writing now. Yeah. Um, I can hear what's out there and I can know what I've been through and kind of reflect that way. So. You just put it out there and see where it lands. Because there's not a lot of old school artists that want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be the old school artist that comes out and does the exact same thing as the new kid. Yeah. Because it's, I sound I may sound out of place unless you have a rough 808 and it's trappy dance hall. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I agree. I know myself. <laughs> that's, I think that's important too. Um, I think like a good example of that is like when Jay-Z dropped his album 444, he wasn't trying to necessarily do what is like the, the, the younger no, ones do. Definitely. Um, well, yo, we appreciate you phoning in. Can you uh, can you let the uh, the listeners know um, again where where acoustic conversations is going to be held? Time it is going to be at the McMichael Gallery in Kleinberg. Make sure you get out there. And if you can't, it's okay. We're going to be shooting it. We're going to be um, getting it all packaged out there as soon as we can. But it's a beautiful grounds. It's not just about me. There's a beautiful hip hop, um, everything remains raw archive that's up there, and it really shows you a really in depth trail uh, from the photographer's perspective of what hip-hop was before the six. So it's, it's really a cool thing to see also. If you don't get up there this Sunday, get up there. I mean, they, <laughs> the display is on until October. I think people should go out there. A, the grounds is really nice. It's so nice they have weddings up there. Um, group of seven is in there. We only hear about that stuff in high school, in school, back in my day. There's a, sorry, <laughs> so you said there's group of seven photos? Group of seven uh, paintings. And, yeah, paintings, you know, yeah. <laughs> Their legacy is in there. That's the grounds where they're from. That's their stuff. Come out and learn more. Don't let me tell you. Definitely. But there's so much things to learn. 
um, it's as important as, as learning, you know, about Pioneer Village, about the CN Tower. Yeah. The gallery is just, it's the ground. You just got to get up there and just explore a little bit of, you know, Ontario. We, we live in a great country. We live in a great place. So head on up to Kleinsburg. I mean, it's Islington, a little bit north. If you make it to Wonderland, you can make it up here. <laughs> and it's 2 o'clock to 3. Lots of things happening. It's Carnival Weekend. Come out with your excitement. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. just, you know, rain or shine, it's going to be really good. This, this is just, just as much good things inside as there is outside. Definitely. So if you can make it up there. And the Come Up Show, I'm still on a Come Up, so respect for having me. Everyone nope. check out the themishime.com. Stay tuned to Mishi Bad Gal Me on all social outlets, social media outlets. And just listen out for some stuff. I mean, I'm coming. I'm going to tell the story. So mm-hmm. listen up. When's the album dropping? That's these date stuff. I'm not buying the dates. No one. There's no rules. <laughs> Whenever you <laughs> feel like drop it. it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There is no rules anymore. So guess what? It's coming and it's done too. Awesome. <laughs> it's done. The most I could do is tweak. The most I could do is tweak, and that'll be in fun because things are so quick. But it's done. So awesome. I might just you know drop this and then drop something else, just like everyone else is doing. Exactly. So it's coming. That's what yeah, it's coming. It's overdoing. It's coming. I just had to straighten out the business before the music. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it. Mishi Me, thank you so much for phoning in. Thank you for having me. Without right. listeners, stay tuned. Yo, what did you guys think of our interview with Mishi Me on the Come Up Show? The radio show, it's happening each and every Saturday. And if this is your first time tuning into the podcast, subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Music. And yo, for the next uh, you know couple of months, August 19th, Fresh Kills. September 9th, Maestro Fresh West. Uh, there's also a photo exhibit happening right now at the McMichael Canadian Art Collection, mcmichael.com. Check out the link below in the description. We'll catch you on next Wednesday. Peace. Peace.